Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 35 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott in the host chair on Oilers Now. Cody Jansen riding shotgun and some guests of the show receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Excuse me. Uh, Bob Stoffer, the regular host of this show, is uh, on the road with the team right now. He had the call along with Cam Moon of last night's 5-4 game. Bob, I mean, this team keeps finding different ways to get it done. They certainly don't always make it easy on themselves. Starts to games... I'm wondering what you think about that and how those have gone on this road trip because they, they seem to be chasing a lot and we know they've got the horses to get back into these games but probably a lot easier on themselves if they start out a little better. Uh, I guess that's fair. I mean, as you know, it's a hard league to win in and the other teams, you know, there's some good teams and certainly against Boston and St. Louis and I think Boston will prove as the season goes on. I think St. Louis is a pretty good club. Uh, you might not always outshoot those teams and you might not always out, outplay those teams. Uh, the, the results against Detroit and, and Buffalo, I think, were a little bit frustrating for the fan base. But when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, you're going to get the opposition's best. Uh, you know this, we've discussed this before, Brendan. I think back to that 11-12 season when the Oilers scored nine and eight goals at home against Chicago. Chicago wasn't prepping to play Edmonton in those two games. They were dismissive of the Oilers. Well, now Edmonton's a different entity for teams to match up against. So, you know, they're getting the other team's best game. And, uh, you know, St. Louis, I don't know about you, but their power play was absolutely firing that puck around both units. Uh, they were good off the rush. And uh, Edmonton kind of survived the first 10 minutes and got a good goal late in the period by McDavid. And, you know, boom, suddenly we had a real game. So you'll take the win. You'll take the end result and uh, 11 and 3 is 11 and 3 much better uh, won't say it's it's much improved it has second in the league penalty kill wise we, we talk a lot about the power play the penalty kill though you know we're, we're up there again and, and and just curious do the you know does Jim Playfair for example get enough credit for the strength of that aspect of the special teams as well he's got improved talent to work with in that regard but obviously at 88 percent something else is going right too well, we all know, Brendan, how bad the penalty kill was during the 18-19 season. You know, it was 30th in the league that year. And then the first year with Dave Tippett and Jim Playfair, it went second. Last year it was ninth. But I would assert to you that there were a couple teams in the North Division, specifically Toronto and Winnipeg, and that had lethal power plays and could get you. So I kind of skewered the numbers, and they're back up to second this year. No question, it's an underrated part of what Edmonton does. Uh, usually you need your goaltender to be your best penalty killer. Last night, despite the fact that he gave up four goals against, that might have been Miko Koskin's best start of the year. Uh, you know, he probably made eight or nine ten-bell saves. So, you know, they're special teams. We're 14 games into the season, Brendan, and the Oilers have a plus 14 goal differential on special teams. You know, they're, you know, <laughs> they're 16 plus overall here in terms of uh, goal differential, third best goal differential in the NHL, but they're plus one a game. 
with the special teams. It's a huge factor. And even last night, like they only got three opportunities. Again, they missed a pretty obvious one on McDavid. But, uh, you know, Edmonton went one for three. St. Louis went one for five. And the fact that St. Louis was limited to the one goal in their five power plays played a bit of a factor in Edmonton ultimately winning that game. How's Ryan McLeod looking on this trip to you? Does he seem more comfortable back up with the team this time around? Uh, yeah, I, I pose it. What, what do you think? Like, <laughs> you know, you're watching the games too. I mean, this he's an ex, he's an intriguing player because he can skate and he's got the size. He's just got to get in the guts of the game on a on a game by game basis. But have you noticed a difference in him since he's been back up on this road trip? Uh, I think so. It's it's a confidence level, right? And I think that you know the way that Jay Woodcroft operates things, at least from what we can see and the way that he talks about his players, I think that he gives them a lot of reason, you know, to build that confidence. So for him to have gone down there for a few games I'm not surprised to see that he looks a little bit more comfortable but you know I, I did I listened to you guys on the call I was on the airplane home from from Anaheim last night but was he playing with Warren Fogle is he is he stepped he, into a, yeah, a couple of was, different yeah, line mates with, I wonder how much did you go to Disneyland yeah I was did at you Disneyland. go to <laughs> it was awesome that was my first time ever in Disneyland by the way you've only that's your first time yeah, being man. at Disneyland yeah. good for you man <laughs> thank you yeah if if Hudson heard this right now man I'd be in Chateau Bow Wow for not getting them this year into <laughs> Disneyland because we, we'd go every year courtesy of a, a relationship we built up over the years of New West travel. But um, you know what? Uh, you know, McLeod, you know, he he basically played two games in a row uh, with Fogel. Uh, they had Fogel in right wing for one of the games and Perlini was up there on the left side. And then last night they went to Fogel back on the left side with Turris. So, yeah, McLeod was in that spot. Derek Ryan uh, was, you know, did a very effective job killing penalties and went 9-2 and two in the face-off circle. And McLeod had a good game in the circle as well. And St. Louis is a top-eight face-off team in the NHL. Edmonton absolutely crushed him in the dot. So, uh, he, he's, I'm not sure what, he, you know, what they have yet i think long term he's he's because he can skate and he's got size i think he's going to develop into a third third liner and you're 100 percent you nailed it in terms of with jay woodcroft and to a lesser extent dave mens uh, you know dave manson but dave is a huge part of the development of the defense and the prioritization for the Oilers players finally in the minor league system is on developing those players it's you still want to have a winning environment but you know uh, my theory is if you develop the players and grow the players, you'll grow and create the environment and the culture, and that'll allow the coach to have the best chance to take the next step forward as well. I'm not sure that's always been the case and in the past, going back to maybe 2010 to 2015. To me, it, it, I think there was a lot of emphasis on winning and not necessarily always winning with the Oilers' prospects and growing those prospects. And I think there's been a clear change over the last three to four years. They've done a better job to the point, and I'm going to throw this out there, like I I think that we may see by the end of the year a need for a third-pairing left-shot defenseman. Well, that guy might be down in Bakersfield now, but he's got to get in 45, 50 games in the American Hockey League, and his name might be Philip Broberg. And I think the Oilers can use a little bit more speed in their bottom six. Uh, the players that I've talked to were very impressed by Dylan Holloway before he got shut down uh, to get his wrist surgery. He's not going to be back up and running before January, so he'll spend January and February uh, in the American Hockey League playing for Jay. Where is he going to be at in March? Is he an option for a potential recall at that time? Maybe not at center, maybe on the wing. So there's a couple more prospects they have that are bigger guys that can skate that can add some things to the hockey club and, and having the right sort of structure with the right emphasis on growing out your players as a lot and i'm not saying you know what if they're not ready they're not ready and if they are ready they're ready and um 
So it's going to be intriguing to watch to see, for me specifically with those two guys, and McLeod's another guy. Like, can he secure top six? Because right now Edmonton's down three three bottom six forwards, right? Cassian, who I would say is a strong possibility to play tomorrow against Winnipeg. Um, and then, you know, you don't have Devin Shore. He'll be, he's out another anywhere from three to five weeks here for that lower body issue. Archibald, to me, is a long shot. I hope he can come back and play. But, you know, he's not able to do anything until January because of the myocarditis. I mean, that, that to me, is a real long shot. But they're down those three spots. So they're going to need, they'll get Cassian back. They'll get Shore back. They're going to need at least one other guy for me, maybe two other guys. And so maybe Holloway can be one, and then you make a small trade for another guy in the bottom six just to give yourself some more dimensions. Uh, you know, looking at the way things were, were working from working up from the back end, even over the last couple of games, you're starting to see a little bit of the, well, what you guys refer to on the broadcast as high event hockey. You know, there's you're, you're going to give up um, a lot of scoring chances one way, you're going to generate a lot of scoring chances the other way. And I, I just wonder how much of, you know, maybe Edmonton's lack of a true shutdown Rob Skidary type defenseman is is <laughs> being exposed, say, on this, on this road trip for example what do you think about that i think that's fair i think the game's changing a bit uh brendan where i think you do have to have more transition options i mean the orders right now are the highest scoring team in the nhl no one's going to mistake him for the 83 84 orders that scored 446 goals in 80 games but what that those orders teams certainly the first two stanley cup teams did is they started to tighten it up january february march of those seasons uh, by the time they won in 1990, they just had the know-how, even without Wayne Gretzky, to know how to play and know how to win. And they were better defensive team, a better defensive team by that point. So, um, I mean, you take a look at Seattle. They went out and they they basically through expansion got Jamie Alexiak and uh, Adam Larson to be shut down guys for them. And they're amongst the worst defensive teams in the NHL because they spend too much time in their own zone. So I think there's a balance, but I do think that's a fair, uh, a fair question to ask. Do they have a true shutdown? Do I think they do it differently, right? Keith and CC are veteran guys that don't get flustered when they make a mistake. And uh, Bouchard's still a work in progress with a real high offensive ceiling. Uh, obviously, Darnell Nurse plays in every situation, and I just wonder whether or not at some point there might be an ad on the third pairing left shot D roll. Now that Mike Smith has been sent home from this road trip, is there anything more that anybody knows about that injury no. right now, or is it simply that <laughs> like Stuart Skinner played well enough that they've realized they can give Smith a, even more time? Oh, I, I mean, I think in a, I mean that's the thing that people need to remember. The orders are eleven and three, and in theory, they've done so without their number one goalie, right? Like, and Miko's Miko's nine and one. Miko's had a great start to the season. Um, Believe me, if if they could have Smith back, they'd have Smith back, and Stuart Skinner would be back in the minors. They're very, uh, I think the organization's really happy with where Stuart Skinner's at right now. And when you talk to people around the team, that's sort of the, he's certainly shown a lot of maturation in terms of how he conducts himself. He looks like a pro. Um, it, my guess is he's going to get one of the next three starts. Uh, and I, I don't know where Mike Smith is to be complete. He's, he's not with the team right now. I don't know if he's expected to meet the team in Winnipeg. 
Uh, and, and so, I, I, you know what, we'll ask tomorrow for an update from Dave Tippett. That sounds good to me. And, and just a final thought on that. Do you, how much do you think that Stuart Skinner has benefited, even though I know he's not necessarily, uh, you know, even practicing with Mike Smith at this point, but he was to begin the season. And being around two veteran goaltenders for him and watching the way that he's matured, you know, as a person, and, and that's by all accounts. Anybody that's talked to Stuart over the last few years is reporting that. I wonder how much of an impact, even through osmosis, as you mentioned, it's been for him to be around those kinds of guys. Well, the other thing is the the other goaltenders have to have the type of personality where they're helping and supporting the young goalie instead of competing against them. It's called paying it forward. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the best younger talents in every industry uh, realize that they have one mouth and two ears. Somebody told me that a long time ago, so I always thought that was a good line. And so, you know, don't be afraid to listen when somebody who's maybe got a little bit more experience than you tries to give you a little bit of direction and try, you know, because if they really care about you, they're going to try to work to make you better. But saying that, you know, it's a competitive game. And my experience from afar, and, I, you know, I know there's lots of guys that claim to be super close to this player and that guy, but my, you know, my experience over the last 14 years being around the team on a day-to-day basis a little less so last year because we didn't travel, but certainly 13 or 14 years traveling is you read a lot in terms of that interpersonal dynamic. And I think it's a two-way street. I don't just think it's been Skinner that has has learned. I think that, you know, Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen have had the right attitude in helping work with him. And I know the puck handling, as an example, that's something that Koskinen's, you know, and people say he's still not great at it. Well, in my mind, he's come a long way, and part of that's been because of Mike Smith. And I think you, may, I think you bring up a really good point with Skinner. Like he, he spent a, a large portion early last year with Edmonton, and when we came out of, uh, you know, got back into playing, and he's basically been up here all year, with the exception of one weekend so far this year. And I think it's helped him out tremendously. You hopping on the bird in a few minutes here? Yeah, we're the bus leaves in uh, 12 minutes, and then we we're actually busing into Illinois and then flying into Winnipeg. So it's an, and is how, how long did it take you to do your uh, uh, your what, what's it called arrive Canada? How long yeah, did that take you? Yesterday? You know what? I am blessed with a, a beautiful girlfriend who took care of that. But to get through that line, I think it was only about fifteen minutes or so. So he'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> That uh, that app every time, Brendan. It takes me about twenty to twenty five minutes each time. So have All a good right. one. Thanks, man. Best of luck. Appreciate you joining the show. Yeah. See you. Bye bye. See you. That is uh, Bob Stuffer, the main host of this program. It's Brendan Escott in the chair today. Cody Jansen with us. And when we come back, Cody's gonna get you up to speed on the injury report. Brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Twelve fifty one in Edmonton. Uh, just a. A shout-out to anybody with, with family or or if you're listening in from BC's interior, the entire city of Merritt, uh, just outside of Kamloops, is under an evacuation order now. They've had uh, floodwaters. A, a river is breached there. So this BC interior boy thinking of everybody uh, back home as that's a frightening situation. No roads from the lower mainland into the interior right now. That's all been cut off by floodwaters and, and landslides and stuff. So scary scenes out of BC. Uh, snow here in the capital region region in Edmonton, or at least we were under a snowfall warning. I think I saw a live camera a minute ago on the Global News broadcast here. We're in the middle of November. There should be four feet on the ground by now, and there's not. So I don't know what to say about that. Uh, Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. You just heard the update on Mike Smith. No update yet. Try and track that down for you tomorrow. Zach Cassian may be on the mend. What else is going on, Cody? 
Well, you also forgot Devin Shore, but he's still on the IR. Elsewhere in the league, Flyers defenseman Ryan Ellis, he uh, re-injured himself on Saturday against Dallas. He's now considered week-to-week once again. Ottawa Senators D-man Eric Brandstrom, he's got that broken hand. He's going to be out officially two months now. And uh, COVID front, not related to the Ottawa Senators, the Coyotes placed forward Johan Larson on protocol. That situation in Ottawa is just not something that I thought that the NHL would still be dealing with. And I'm not going to dig into the vaccines and that sort of thing, but obviously something that they're, you can't just have this running rampant through a locker room. Um, But I I just don't know that they would have thought that in mid-November they'd be rescheduling a series of games for a team. See, I'm not sure if the issue is that there's 10 players on protocol or that it's dragged out for so long because we've been talking about this for a week and a half plus of, oh, one player's on, two players are off, three players are on, one's off. It's just drug out for so long that I think they're putting the hard stop on it saying, hey, let's get it under control and then we'll make up these games down the road. It's only three of them. For now, and I agree, and that's nipping it in the buds 100%. We'll see, I mean, hey, again, like, it's it's the ever-present, it's the ever-present, uh, I guess, elephant in the room. You know, as many protocols as there are, not foolproof. 780-496-0063. Oilers seem to be getting crushed in front of their own net, and uh, isn't Miko going to get worn out? That's from Craig. This is sort of what I'm saying about, you know, a lack of a really gritty sort of, you know, maybe not an Eric Goodbranson, but somebody of the ilk of clearing that front of the net. Uh, somebody of, you know, the shutdown. I don't know. I, somebody who's not going to throw the, the pizza up the middle. That kind of thing. And I, I get that we're 14 games in, and I get that that's what the second pair is supposed to be for. And Bob makes a really good argument in that if you're playing that whole shift, regardless of how good a defender you are, if you're playing it in your own end, you're going to surrender goals at some point. You know, so I, I get that. But y- you see it on the road trip where it's getting exposed a little bit that this team is not as sound defensively as I believe that it needs to be to push as deep in the playoffs as the rest of the group is capable of doing. You need Barry firing on all cylinders. You need Bouchard playing, you know, at a, uh, he needs to continue having a breakout year in both aspects. It's not just about the Bush bomb. He's got to be trusted to be out there in the final 10 minutes. And I don't know that there's one pair right now that anybody on that coaching staff is 100% comfortable throwing out there and, and really locking down the game because so much of that top pairs element is to move the puck out of the zone, right? Darnell by skating it and Bouchard by passing it. And then you look at that second pair and, and you know, a similar idea in the sense that Keith loves to, to skate and move the puck out of the ice but or up the ice. When you are shelled in, though, and when you are playing a big St. Louis team, when you are playing a group that can cycle you to death and keep you in, you got to be able to, to, you know, fight that off. As the season goes on, I don't believe that's getting any easier. And so if there is a move to be made at some point, do you look at a cheaper, you know, maybe not necessarily a Slater Cuckoo, 
kind of a guy, but maybe somebody who really, really locks it down out there, who can play alongside Tyson Berry, who then can transition the puck out of the zone. Just some thoughts, just some food for thought. Get yours in at 780-496-0063. That's the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Remember, you can follow Oilers now on a great road trip to the city of Seattle. Watch the Oilers play the Kraken. This package includes a great game ticket and a welcome reception with Bob and other special guests. Never know who's going to show up in one of those. Plus, you'll see the Seahawks host the 49ers on Sunday night football for the Oilers now Seattle road trip. Call New West Travel at 780-432-7446 or go online to newwesttravel.com. Reed Wilkins will check in with us on the other side of this next newscast. We'll talk about the team through four of these five games on the road trip Again, doesn't it seem like just yesterday we were talking about McDavid's 500th point? Now he's up to 600, and still somehow it's Leon Dreisaitl with all the headlines this year. Nugent Hopkins throws the monkey off his back, and then eight seconds later, McLeod scores his first NHL goal. What will that do for his confidence, right? Like sometimes it just takes, you know, the one baby step in front of the other and maybe a guy like McLeod takes off a little bit. Maybe he's got 12 goals the rest of the way here and he ends up sealing himself a roster spot. It could happen. It could happen. All the coaches are pretty succinct in what he needs to do. You got all the intangibles, man. Just go get yourself into the guts of the game. Go throw a body check. Go pull a puck out of the corner, whatever it is. Go engage yourself. Now he's got the confidence to know that he can. We'll chat about that with Reed, and then we'll hear from his former coach, Ryan McLeod's, that is, Jay Woodcroft, after 135. But not before we hear the headlines from Miss Eileen Bell during a Global News weather traffic update. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.